I started out small, which uh, is not the best thing in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I compounded that by becoming smaller, which is kind of crazy. And that when I went to school, we had A class and B class. Now, if you started school in September, you were in 1A. Mm -hmm. If you started it in uh, January, you were in 1A. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you could graduate at mid-year. Well, I started in 1A, but I skipped a grade because in sixth grade, I was doing 6A work, which I was in, and I was also doing 6B work. So they decided that they would push me ahead, and I thought that was a pretty good idea until I started out uh, for sports. When I was a young baseball player, my dad took me to meet Mr. George Bennett. Ever since our first hitting lesson together, I went to see Mr. Bennett whenever I could, from my Little League days all the way through college. When I was struggling at the plate, Mr. Bennett would get me right. And to this day, he's been one of my biggest influences, not just in baseball, but in life. When I asked him to come on the podcast to share his story, he invited me over his house. We put a microphone on the ottoman in his living room and talked for an hour about everything. From the recruiting of Jamie Moyer, to some funny coaching stories, to his advice for players and coaches today, and of course, the story of his own baseball career. My first uniform was so big that I couldn't play in it. And, uh, you know, as a kid then, I'm, I was crying for, for crying out loud. Yeah. It wasn't good. So finally it was cut down and I was able to play. But being small, I went out for the teams all the time. I did not make the JV team in baseball to 11th grade. And I was one of the co-captains on the varsity in 12th grade. <laughs> in 11th grade in basketball, I was cut from the JV team, but picked up by the varsity. Hmm. So I, yeah. I actually played on the varsity as an 11th grader. Hmm. And then I was co-captain on the varsity team in 12th grade. After graduating from high school, he played in the Penn Dell League. That's where the idea of playing in college came about. One of the, my opponents saw us and he said, hey, come out, I want to take you to Westchester. So I went to Westchester and introduced to Coach Kellinger and I made the varsity as a, a freshman and I played nine of the 13 games. I didn't start too many of them, but <laughs> kind of, after the season, you know, I thought, heck, you know, I wasn't playing as much as I'd like. And I had started dating my wife, and there was an opportunity then to get a Ford convertible with a Continental <laughs> wheel or go back to college. And I chose the Ford with a Continental <laughs> wheel, which was not too smart in my case. So that was it. Uh, we were dating for a long time, and then we got married in 1956 and in uh, August of 1956 and in the Christmas meal came my draft notice so that was kind of interesting so I went right in the service then uh, in January. So Mr. Bennett went down to Fort Jackson in South Carolina where his time in the service got off to a pretty rough start. While I was in the service uh, there's a great disadvantage to being an A or a B. And the A's and the B's and C's, well, 
everything starts with A in the service. So you have guard duty, KP, guard duty weekend, KP weekend. So one of my buddies went in at the same time, and he ended up with a, a weekday KP and a weekday guard duty. Mm. I ended up with two weekday KPs and a weekend KP, and two uh, weekday uh, guard duties and one mm. uh, at the end. At the conclusion of basic training, Mr. Bennett was assigned to clerk type of school for his second eight weeks of training. That's when he caught a break. The second eight weeks in clerk type of school, they walked in and they said, have any of you guys played college or professional baseball? So that was a break. And I raised my hand and then I was off all the duties and so forth and, mm. and played baseball. Uh, then what happened is that uh, after the second eight weeks, you're assigned. And I was assigned to the clerk type of school at Fort Jackson. So that was pretty good, and I brought my wife down after I found out, you know, what was happening. I wasn't there too long when uh, they asked if somebody could throw a football, <laughs> and I raised my hand. And well, from there on out, I did no extra duty, so I made up for all all that stuff. I played baseball, basketball, football. Um, volleyball, golf, and I actually, I didn't box, but I had, had a boxer, so I just had, a, oh, I had it made. That's awesome. So they made up for a tough time in basic training to having it made. After two years in the Army, he went back to work at the Reading Railroad, where he was working before he got his draft notice. And a real good friend of mine, Bob Warner, who I took to Westchester to introduce him to Coach Killinger, uh, picked me up at my car was being fixed. And he picked me up at the uh, railroad station and going back, he said, hey, why the heck don't you go back to school? Why don't you go back to Westchester? He said, uh, Kelly, love to have you. So when I came home, I was talking to my wife and I said, you know, Bobby Warner picked me up and he asked me about going back to school. What do you think? I said, well, do you like what you're doing? I said, not really. So we then decided I'd go back, which was good. And then uh, back at Westchester, I played three years. I was uh, co-captain after the, the, my uh, sophomore year, junior, senior year, I was co-captain of the team. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Mr. Bennett's coach, Dr. Glenn Killinger, was a legend. He played professional baseball and football and was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame as a player. Then, throughout his 48-year coaching and teaching career, he inspired many young student-athletes and brought national recognition to Westchester University. And some of his coaching style definitely made an impression on Mr. Bennett. Killinger was a tough guy. I mean, there was no question about it. He was a tough man, and he made it tough on you. And if you couldn't take what he's dishing out, you weren't going to play for him. Uh, I remember... Uh, my freshman year, when I went in there, we were hitting from a tee. And so I take a swing, and I guess my hair wasn't really long, but I went back like this, you know. <laughs> and Kellinger says to me, Bennett, you're a damn dude, aren't you? 
<laughs> and I thought, oh boy. Oh. Next day I came in with a burr. <laughs> so, I mean, that, oh, that's man. the type of thing. Mr. Bennett told me that Coach Killinger always knew how to motivate his players, and he had some pretty interesting ways of doing it. My senior year, I was second year captain, and we lost to LaSalle. And boy, he didn't like to lose to the, the big five schools. So he's going down, and he is chewing out. He is chewing out. And then finally he gets to me. Bennett, you're fat and you're out of shape, you lazy bum. And I'm going to straighten you out right now. So, uh, the, you know, the kids, they looked up. Now, I was older than they were, you know, because I went, I went back after being in the service. And they thought that I was like his illegitimate son. He, he liked me that much. But as it turned out, I'm out there, I'm fielding and, you know, making the plays. And, and all of a sudden, Killing stands up and he's, time out. And he walks up and he was bowling as heck. And he's walking out like this, you know, <laughs> balls up his arm. And he said, Bennett, I'm going to show you. <laughs> Boom, first ball, playing second base, over toward the bag, backhanded it. And as I turn the throw, boom, it's in the oh, other hole. Field it, about the throw, boom. And he was really tremendous when it came to using a fungo. Mm -hmm. And so finally, it got to a point where he's hitting towards second base, and I dove at the ball, and I didn't get it, and I'm laying on the ground. Look at your captain, that lazy bum. <laughs> Look at that. And we won the next 13 games even after his college career was over, Mr. Bennett knew he could always rely on his coach for help. A football job came open at Upper Darby. Mm -hmm. Now, I had a job in an elementary school, but I wasn't really doing anything. And a good friend of mine, Ernie Oldenburg, who's the, the captain of the team, um, we were sitting in practicum one day. And this guy comes over to Ernie and said, Ernie, are you going to take that Upper Darby job? They're going to force it on me if you don't. And he left and he said, George, George, come on. This guy's a jerk, man. He doesn't know crap. He said, go apply for the job. So I told Coach Hillinger he was going to, uh, you know, I was going to apply for the job. He called the head coach, who was a little All-American for him at uh, Westchester, mm. and I got the job. Mm. So he recommended me, not because I played football, but because he thought I was, I guess, an intelligent athlete. But uh, that, that was pretty, pretty interesting. During the summers, Mr. Bennett ran a baseball camp called Instructional Baseball, where he and a few other coaches helped young players develop their fundamentals and love for the game. It was around that time that he took over as the acting athletic director when the AD went on sabbatical. During that time, they were searching for a new basketball coach, and he was responsible for the hire. The guy's name was John Griffin, and John Griffin happened to be from Roxborough as well. So we became real good friends, and he was one of the ca captains at St. Joe University. Mm -hmm. And he came in and he really did a good job. And one day he comes in and says, hey, George, George. He said, uh, the St. Joe job's open. He said, why don't you apply for it? And I said, come on, John. What are you, you kidding me? Well, I'm going to break down, yeah, the 10-year-old T-shirt team of my <laughs> young son? No, 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 no. He said, well, how about the camp that you ran? And, I had the camp, uh, instructional baseball, it was, was really good. We had a lot of people there. And how about your legion? You know, all these things that added up. And uh, 
So I did apply, and I got uh, the recommendation of Bill Winterly, who was the scout for the Dodgers, who recommended or uh, uh, signed uh, Mike Socia, mm-hmm. and then uh, Speedy Morris, who is a renowned ca- coach of the Catholic League, and uh, also John. And I got the job, which was a shock. And while he was excited for the new opportunity, he also felt like he might be in over his head. I had to go in and tell the principal, ask the principal, I said, look, I have this job, I have the, the baseball job at St. Joe. Truthfully, I don't know if I can handle it or not yeah. because I've never done it. And I said, look, I would like to just give me this year to find out. Oh, no, 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 no. Make up your mind right now. Whatever you're going to do, you're doing it now. I said, well, if you're putting it that way, I'll take the St. Joe job. Well, he had me out of the athletic director job by mid-year. So that was that was that part of it. Fortunately for me, the he left and they hired a new coach and I went to the superintendent. He said, I'm proud that you're able to do that. Coach Bennett's first recruit as a college baseball coach was a 17-year-old lefty from Satterton Area High School named Jamie Moyer. My camp was up in Hardysville and Jamie was from Satterton. And uh, my first year, I didn't have any I, I didn't have any scholarships, so I couldn't do anything with them. But the second year I did, and so I went up to see him play, and I liked everything about him, to be honest with you. Uh, he pitched, he looked really like he was this 17-year-old kid, and he looked as, as solid as a major leaguer. I mean, he could really field, and uh, he had really good stuff and so forth, and yeah, he, he really looked like something. He ran on and off the field. And, you know, I, I, I got him. And it's one of the oddest things in the world. I, I won't go into any names, but one of the coaches who was trying to recruit him uh, came to Jamie's house, but he was in cutoff shorts or jeans or something like that. And he didn't have any socks on. <laughs> <laughs> and for miss uh, I had I took him to dinner and I did have socks and so forth and you know after all this was done every time I see Mrs. Moyer I raise my pants like the sure ass of socks but oh, I mean to get a major leaguer for socks that's that's pretty good when he got to St. Joe's Moyer impressed his coaches with his performance on the mound but it was his practice habits that really made an impact. He was everything we thought. Um, he was 7-0 as a freshman, and he was, he was tough, no doubt. Uh, his career was really solid. I, I, I possibly could have lost him after the first year. Uh, he, Jamie never really had a break in that in high school, he had back-to-back no-hitters, and the third game was a swinging bunt one-hitter. And even back then, they just didn't feel that he threw hard enough. Hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they're the things that I want to talk about later on. The, the stuff that he has done is, is truly amazing. Yeah. Um, his practice habits were amazing. First of all, if you were to have a catch with him, give him a target. Give him a target. Uh, and he would go through his motion, 
to throw you the ball. He was always doing something. He would shadow box where he wouldn't throw a ball, but you know he'd make sure where his, his foot landed and all that stuff. And he he was a he was a pro then. Before Jamie's junior year, Mr. Bennett asked his friend and late president of the Philadelphia Phillies, Dave Montgomery, to set Jamie up with Claude Osteen, the Phillies pitching coach and three-time All-Star himself. Needless to say, the time they spent working together really paid off. We went to Florida. Uh, let's see, how did this work? He pitched, pitched Saturday, and he won one nothing. And then he pitched against Florida Southern on Wednesday, and he got squeezed. He walked the first three men, and they had a grand slam. And I mean, mm. it was horrible, the squeezing. They didn't score any more runs. Then he came back on Sunday and lost one nothing on an error by the shortstop. So I got called in by the Billy Blitzer, who was a scout for the Cubs. And he said, George, he said, this lawyer kid, he said, uh, how interest is, interested is he in pro baseball? I said, he wants nothing more than that. I mean, that's something that he really, really, really wants. And uh, so, gee, he's the guy to put him in. He, he was drafted in the sixth round. Jamie Moyer pitched 25 seasons in the big leagues. Mr. Bennett likes to say that Jamie found the fountain of youth since he did the following after the age of 30. He won 235 games before his retirement at age 49. He won 21 games at the age of 40, and at age 45, he won 16 games on the way to helping the Phillies win the 2008 World Series. Not bad for the first recruit Mr. Bennett ever brought in. And when Jamie was inducted into the Seattle Mariners Hall of Fame, he invited his college coach to join the party. It started out, he called up and he said, look, coach, he said, uh, I'd like to invite uh, you and Betty and Mike Cooper and Sharon out to Seattle. And he said, I'm going into the Hall of Fame. I said, geez, Jane, that's really nice of you. I'd be happy to go. Oh, and by the way, Seattle's picking up everything, which was good. So we go out there and they take us to one of the exclusive Hyatts out there, and uh, we sign in, and the bellboy takes us up to the ninth floor. He says, uh, Mr. Bennett, uh, what are you doing here? I said, well, truthfully, I said, um, I'm a guest of Seattle, the Seattle Mariners. Uh, I coached Amy Moyer in college. So, oh, okay. So he leaves, and about five minutes later, there's a knock on the door. And it's the bellhop. He's Coach Bennett. <laughs> Anybody who coached Jamie Moore doesn't believe on the ninth floor. I'm taking you up to the 20th. <laughs> so that was pretty good. So yeah, he, uh, he did all right. Uh, one of the functions that he had was um, a, you know, some of his guests and relatives and so forth. And he came late for it. And it wasn't a surprise. Where were you, Jamie? He said, well, I was helping a couple young pitchers out, you know, in Seattle, which was expected because he then uh, did a, uh, a videotape for me for my, I was taking the team up to uh, Cooperstown at that time to get in the tournament. And by the way, we did pretty well too. And that, we finished uh, sixth out of 104 teams. So that was, that was a good thing. But uh, yeah, that, uh, that was impressive to say the least. Now back to Mr. Bennett. 
he ran into a bit of a tough situation after Jamie got drafted. I'll be very honest with you as far as recruitment's going. After Jamie's junior year, I lost Jamie and another pitcher, and I had two other guys lined up mm. to come in. And the they were both post-grads, and I went in to see the admissions director, and the admissions director said, well, I'll take him into night school. I said, look, they're adult, and if I don't get them into the day school, I'm not going to get them, and I'm not going to have a program. And the guy says, so? And <laughs> that meant, to me, it meant so long. Yeah. Because what had happened prior to that, uh, Larry Shane, who was the, the head coach at St. Villanova at the time, called here at my house at 10.30 at night and said, may I speak to George? And Betty says to him, uh, he's a practice, 10.30 at night. And Larry says, what, is he crazy? And kiddingly, my wife said, uh, huh? why, do you have a job for him? And he said, yeah, I do. So that was the thing. So. That's what happened. Then I went to St. Joe as or, or Villanova as a uh, as an assistant. Now we played um, the four years I was at at uh, St. Joe. We played Villanova seven times. We won six. So, so that I guess that helped a little bit. Yeah. And uh, during my the, the first year there. Uh, toward the end of the season, Larry said, George, take a walk with me, will you? And I said, sure. And he said, look, uh, I'm going to have to take a different job. I'm going to take a job in going over in admissions. And he said, uh, would you take me as an assistant coach? I said, sure. You know, no question about that. And uh, so anyway, I made the application for the job, and it took a long, long time to get it. And some people felt that maybe the athletic director wanted to keep it for himself, to be honest, because he liked baseball. Mm -hmm. So I, I finally did get the job and, uh, you know, it worked out pretty well from there. Mr. Bennett won over 500 games as a college coach, with a majority of them coming at Villanova from 1986 to 2001. He was named Big East Conference Coach of the Year in 1988 and 1993. He went to the NCAA tournament twice and produced seven major leaguers, such as Gary Scott and Gene Shaw. Villanova retired as number six, and he is known across college baseball as one of the greats. But his time at Villanova got off to a rocky start. I started out five and fifteen, within the first half of the uh, season, and we had injuries at the beginning, and then. We caught, kind of fought, caught fire and won 16 and 5 the last half of the season. It had to be 21 and 20, and that's the first winning season they had since 1980. So the next year, we had a number of transfers come in, and some of the guys that, uh, like Dave Carr, transferred in, and uh, so did uh, uh, some other guys come in. And as it turns out, we turned it around. We went 35 and 18. So we set the school record. Heading into the 1988 season, Mr. Bennett felt that his team was more talented than ever. 
but he saw some potential problems. So he brought his team together for a meeting. I said, look, fellas, here's, here's what the story is. We have more talent than we've ever had before. There's no question. There's more talent. The only thing I'm asking you guys is let the coaches coach. Let us make up the lineups. And because, you know, I, I could see maybe some problems for Brilliant. And as it turns out, we start. We do have some problems, and there's a little messing around in the fall that I didn't like. And we go down south, and I put the first. We were off for a couple of days because of rain, and then I put the lineup in. And after the game, four kids came over to me. Now this is after the first game, and I said, "Look, bear with us. We have more talent." I said, uh, four kids came in and said, uh, Coach, what's my role? I said, oh my gosh. So, as, as it turns out, we have some problems there. And finally, I said, look, okay, this is what it's going to be. We're going to bet. We're going to do this. Left-handed pitcher will put this line up. Right-handed pitcher will put this. I didn't want to do that. But just to get them off my darn back. Well, we were as inconsistent as you could possibly be. In the Big East, 16 and 2. Hmm. 16 and 2. And one in the landslide. No problem. Locally, we run one about one third of our games. We're getting beat locally. I mean, it's asinine, really. So we go up to the Big East tournament, and we're favored in the Big East tournament. Boom, boom. First two wins. Knock off St. John's, knock off Seton Hall. So we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. And then we get several days of rain. And we have some problems again. So as it turns out, when we get back, we lose two games to St. John's. And we're dead. We didn't get an at-large bid or anything like that. But everybody knows what the story was. We had no chemistry at all. The returning players realized their talent could only take them so far. They needed to click as a team to realize their true potential. With the help of two big recruits, Gene Shaw and Mike Neal, they didn't have the same problems that played them the year before. And the other thing, Rafael Navoa was one great hitter as well as a pitcher. And he realized that he wanted to be a pitcher, so these guys blended in. They should anyway, because Gene was player of the year as a freshman player of the year, and Mike hit about 390. So Gene made a freshman All-American and also uh, 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 13 All-American. So, I mean, he, he did well, and then, of course, we tore up. Yeah. We ended up with the 42-13 and 13 record. And, you know, we lost uh, to Miami in the finals, and that was a very questionable situation down there. But that, that started us real well, and then the next year we get hit with injuries, and then the next year we win again. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, that was... We had four kids on the... Uh, four, four of my players on that team made it to the major leagues. Since retiring from college coaching in 2001 and having his number retired at Villanova, a lot has changed in baseball. 
So I asked Mr. Bennett about his thoughts on the way the game is today. You know, I'd have to adjust. I think the statistically, a lot of that stuff is good. Now, dating back now, when I first started coaching in 81 at the college level, they started, you know, charting pitches for one mm -hmm. thing, which was good. And then, of course, they set up the uh, feeling charts, which really worked out pretty well. I, I don't know. From what I understand today, they're all concerned about the launch angle and these things. And, mm -hmm. and back in my day, which was pretty simple, I liked the pitcher if I saw ugly swings by the hitter. That yeah. was, yeah. I mean, that, you know, that's one of the things which is, you know, considerably different. Now, they have the velocity and all that kind of stuff. And when I was just leaving, then the, um, what the heck do you call them? Perfect game and all that stuff. That was just, yeah, just started to showcase. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we saw some things. There's one kid. Oh, this kid throws 94, and everybody's going crazy about him. And one of my players says, Coach, he can't get anybody out in high school. Yeah. But they, they like that. I also asked him about what he would look for when he was out recruiting, and he shared an interesting story about first impressions. I think it's like there's some negative things that could kill, but now that's not always the smartest thing either. And I'll, I'll recap, recount something that happened. I was over to look at a left-handed pitcher in Cherry Hill East. And at the end of the game, the coach says, well, what'd you think? I said, yeah, I like them. I'm interested. Well, how about my second baseman? No, I won't touch him with a 10-foot ball. He wouldn't what? Why? I said, he looks like he has an attitude. He's constantly throwing his head, you know, his body language is bad. And then he, the coach almost floored me by saying, well, would you tell him that? I thought, oh. <laughs> I guess I'd get punched in the mouth. <laughs> so I said, if you want me to, he said, uh, here's my telephone number, have him give me a call. So kid calls, and I said, look, Cliff, I watched you play today. You're a very good player. There's no question about it. But... I also told your coach that I won't touch you with the 10-foot pole. And the reason I told him that is that you look like you're going to be a discipline problem. You throw your head and all your body language is not good. So I wait for a second and the kid says, Coach, if I come in a red shirt, will you take me? And I thought, holy crap. Woo. <laughs> yeah, if, that, if that's the case, I mean... Yeah, I, yeah, I will. I mean, right there it said, hey, this kid's tough-minded for sure. And he was. He made all Big East. And he was one of the best clutch hitters we ever had. Mm. I mean, and that started as a freshman. And so that... So that impression you got of him was wrong. Right. And fortunately, the coach said that to me, but I could have walked away, Yeah. you know, just on that one impression. But, um, you know, well, the other thing too, like in recruiting... If you stuck me as a college coach, if you were a high school coach and you gave me a bad recommendation, yeah. it, a good recommendation about a bad kid, that was the end of you. I mean, I wouldn't do that. I mean, I, and I had one of those 
with a kid that uh, was from a local kid, and I had one of his uh, former players at St. Joe, and this kid was tough-minded, and I really loved the kid. And he said, oh, this guy's better than him. And he couldn't carry his jockstrap. Mm. I mean, he was lazy, and I said, wow, you can't make mistakes like that. Yeah. That's just wrong. Mr. Bennett also shared a pretty funny story about handling parents and shooting his street. I was told you I was from Roxborough, and we, when we had the camp, we had college day. And uh, we would invite the high school seniors and have the big five coaches come up on a different day. And uh, there was a young boy named uh, Chris Masella, who was from LaSalle. And he came up, and he was a nice player, but he was cocky as heck. <laughs> I mean, he, he was cocky as heck. And he went to, I can't think of the name of the school down, but it was down south, and he wanted to transfer. So he comes up, and I met with his dad and him at McDonald's. And I said, you know, Chris, I'm a little cocky. And he said, I said, yeah. I said, I knew you from being a little bit cocky there. And his dad said, hey, don't worry. You won't have to worry about him. I said, no, I don't think I will have to worry about him. But how about you? <laughs> because his dad really had a reputation yeah. of being tough to, to deal with. So he said, you won't have to worry about me at all. And that was the truth. And the kid played well for me. His dad was super parent. And, you know, those things work out. I, I guess, I don't know if that's blunt or honest or, well, you know, whatever. But, yeah. you know, I... I, th I think if you tell it straight, you can't get yourself into trouble. With a career record of 531, 371, and 9 coaching in the collegiate ranks, and the influence of the legendary Dr. Killinger, I asked Mr. Bennett what he feels is the most important trait in a coach. I, I think fairness. And I'll, I'll tell you, the, the one thing, I liked my players. Mm -hmm. I, I really did. I, I mean, I would treat them. I wouldn't lie to them. I would, I would treat them well. I'd be, I'd tell them when they were wrong, and I'd congratulate them when they were right. That's for sure. Because we, you know, we we were ranked in uh, eighty nine and ninety one in the country. We were in the, I think nineteen and eighty nine and uh, twenty five and ninety one, mm. and for a school that you know. Our, our scholarships weren't the max, yeah, yeah. and what what our kids did was pretty different. One of the things that we did in order to make money to go to Florida was we swept after the basketball games, and I use the word we because I swept too. Mm -hmm. That that's for sure. Uh, the field conditions wasn't always really good. Our field drained poorly in the outfield very poorly in the outfield. So what we did was we dug holes in the outfield so that the water would pour into them. And believe it or not, we emptied it with the Dixie cups. <laughs> so, um, and when Gene Shaw and you know, the guys talked to the guys from the big programs, all, 
they said, you guys were nuts. <laughs> but I mean, they really wanted to play. And yeah. Yeah, so. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Mr. Bennett has put together a 556-page book titled Villanova Baseball History that he'll be giving out to some of his former players. The book includes stats, box scores, newspaper articles, and Mr. Bennett's own commentary, recalling every season he coached at Villanova in his legendary career. I asked him to reflect on what he's been able to accomplish, being able to do what he loves for a living, and about his advice for others hoping to do the same. You have to realize that there's going to be some setbacks and you have to be willing to, to take care of that. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. But, uh, you know, when you look back, I'll tell you, there's a heck of a lot of memories and they're worth it. They, they really are. I mean, mm -hmm. you'll see a lot of the words, you'll see box scores and all there, but there's a lot of stuff that I wrote. And, I mean, it was easy because, you know, I felt it, I believed exactly that. And, well, you talk about, this, the one kid that uh, was the All-American and the stuff that he's done, he, he includes me, the stuff he's sending out. He's been an ex exceptional uh, high school coach. He really has been good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. No, that, that's it. Uh, actually, well, you know, I took some risks with school. And, you know, I, mm -hmm. and you better have a good wife to yeah. take care of that. that that's for sure. But uh, you know, it, it certainly has been worth We didn't make any money at all. Uh, they make a heck of a lot more now, but uh, I would do the same thing again. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. I want to give a huge thanks to Mr. Bennett for allowing me to come into his home and ask him a bunch of questions. I think it's so important to get his story out there to the next generation of players and coaches. He's a living legend in the world of college baseball, and as you could tell, an even better person. And I hope you enjoyed listening to his stories and his advice as much as I did, and that you helped spread it around by sharing it with a friend, a teammate, or the coach in your life. Thanks for tuning in, and always remember, Hustle and Motivate is presented by JokerMag.com, the home of the underdog.